Hello, Anish fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 96. In this episode, we have Zach Parrish joining us. Uh, Zach has been a longtime Walt Disney animator, where he has worked on such titles as Big Hero 6, Tangled, and Zootopia. Uh, before that, he had worked at such studios as Rhythm and Hughes and Sony, where he worked on the, one of my favorites, Cloud with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, he's most recently finished up with Netflix on their critically acclaimed The Sea Beast, where he was an animation director. So it was a really neat opportunity to get Zach in on this podcast, pick his brain, and hear what he's got to say about the animation industry. Check it out. Ready to jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. Killer. All right. Well, Zach, I greatly, greatly appreciate your time. I know you're coming off of a cool movie, uh, The Sea Beast. Um, you've had an amazing career so far with one of the biggest studios, Disney, working on some amazing projects. Um, the first thing I like to do is always kind of get back to how you got into this industry. It's always kind of, I think, unique. Um, yeah. We all kind of get to this point, but how, you know, where'd you kind of come from? So sure. how did you get into animation? Was it something you always wanted to do or was it kind of something uh, lightning struck and made you pivot? <laughs> uh, you know, my, my story, um, it goes way, way back now as I'm starting to get older, but um, <laughs> you know, mine, mine's a lot more linear than, than a lot of people's stories that I've heard. You know, gotcha. I, uh, I remember first grade, you know, dare class or oh, yeah, yeah. their officer asked everybody in class what they wanted to be when they grew up. And it was, you know, firemen, policemen. And then I was like, I want to be an animator. And I had no idea. I said, I wanted to make cartoons, I think was technically what I said. Gotcha. Um, I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew that somebody got to do it and that that seemed really fun. And I like to draw and stuff like that. And so that was always kind of the focus uh, until high school. Um, I did well in high school uh, academically. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll go like pre-med and like be a doctor. So wow. Like that's what people do in my school. And, and I guess, and then uh, I saw monsters Inc in theaters with some friends and, <laughs> um, and that, that was kind of the epiphany moment for me. Like, no, this is, this is what I should be doing. Cause I remember I was crying, you know, at, at Mike Wazowski, you know, who's this green one-eyed ball. <laughs> And I was like, this is magic. You uh-huh. know, they are doing to me right now is magic. I know this isn't real. It's very obviously not real, yet I feel something. And that's something really cool that I want to get back into. And so that's awesome. Uh, I bought a book at a library or a Barnes Noble or something that was uh, how to become a 3D animator. Uh, it was using a, a, a test software called True Space. I don't know if anyone out there has ever heard of it. Okay. Um, but it was super rudimentary and it was like a, you know, a free trial version. So it didn't even have all the features of a rudimentary software. Gotcha. Um, but I, I started messing around with that, fell in love with it. And then I applied to schools, um, went to the Savannah College of Art and Design uh, for animation, uh, specifically character animation. I knew I wanted to do character animation. So from there, it was a pretty linear shot, to be honest. I Gotcha. Worked my butt off in in college. I started Animation Mentor online because it was the only animation school at the time. Yeah, I looked at your bio uh, there. It was right before we started, a couple years before we started. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I I go way back, man. Um, But I did that on top of my schooling at SCAD. Okay. And got a job at Rhythm and Hughes, um, you know, if they're still around. Uh, And... um, and so then I was doing Alvin the Chipmunks during the day, about 12 hour days on that, and then doing Animation Mentor at night. Man. Um, so it was like Animation Boot Camp, which was really good. I mean, you know, I was young and had lots of energy, so uh, <laughs> I didn't have kids yet. Uh, and uh, 
so I was doing that um, and kind of, I worked on like five movies in like, I don't know, nine months or something. Wow. Like wow. Short projects. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, got on to Cloud with Chance Meatballs at Sony was my first animated feature film. One of my favorites, by um, the way. Oh, and one of my favorites to work on. It was so much fun. Awesome. Was, you know, the prime, but, uh, <laughs> lots of stories there, but, um, yeah, so worked on that, worked on Alice in Wonderland and then got the job at Disney, uh, on Tangled, uh, which was my first gig at Disney Amazing. And I was there for yeah, 11 and a half years. And then just switched to Netflix about a year ago. Killer, killer. Um, I want to get into that. I want to kind of yeah. back up now. Cause that's, that's yeah. a great, you know, cliff notes version of, of where <laughs> you got there. Um, sure. One of the things I loved to hear, and I, I've, you know, we've, re- we've reiterated this many times on this podcast, um, but there is no substitute for hard work. And I love the fact that when you sit in here and talk about, Hey, look, I was doing school and working and then, and you go again, that's not sustainable for uh, a lifespan, right. but there's moments where you've got to just grind. And I love to hear that because I think uh, at least previously, um, a lot of times it was like, Hey, look, if I just do this class or I do these workshops and stuff, I'm going to be ready to jump into it, you know? And I, I, it's always a great testimony when I talk to, to, um, interviewers or interviews, these, um, <laughs> when they've talked about that, you know, that hard work and it's just neat to see it pay off. So, yeah. And that was, it was very real. You know, I had, I had worked my butt off in school, but I still was looking at what I had and looking at what was being made at Pixar and Disney at the time, mostly Pixar really at the time, cause it was kind of. Uh, during that lull of CG lull a little bit at Disney. Um, and I just didn't feel like my reel was was there. I felt like I generally understood the principles of animation. I could, I was faking my way through it. Uh-huh. Um, and then I started online school and then stuff really started clicking. I really got the principles at that point. I understood how to apply them a little bit more. So when I got to rhythm, because I really sold myself to Rhythm and Hughes is like, here's my reel it's bad. And let me tell you why it's bad, because now I understand how to do animation. A little bit <laughs> let me explain to you how I would do all these shots better. And that was actually, I think what I got, how I got the job of rhythm and Hughes. Very and then cool. I apply it on, on those films, which was a good boot camp as well. Cause it was, you know, Alvin the chipmunks, which is kind of cartoony character stuff. And then uh, incredible Hulk. So it's like <laughs> the, the craziest span, you know, you can possibly go on. But again, it was just like really kicking my butt. And and of course, you know, I think we have to recognize that I was incredibly lucky and incredibly privileged to be able to, A, uh, afford to take my student loan money from SCAD and apply it to Animation Mentor, uh, be able to have a computer of my own to be able to work at home and things like that. So I think, you know, there's, I do have to count my lucky stars that I had that privilege. Without question, yeah. To be able yeah. to work that hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was still grueling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Just work hard work is definitely part of the equation. So um always. And just always nice to hear that. Um now what was um as you kind of mentioned, even at Rhythm and Hughes jumping into something cartoony as well as then something very uh, realistic here. Um I know VFX is very different than uh, full feature. What was some of the things that you know that was obviously very early for you that you were learning during that time? The biggest thing I learned on on Hulk especially was was weight. Um, my, my supervisor, Matt Logue, wherever he is now, I hope he was, uh, <laughs> he was amazing. And, uh, I, you know, I was going through animation mentor and so everything you're, you're doing animation mentor is smaller, cartoonier, you know, there are these kind of like robot characters and you kind of bounce them around and you're learning the principles and you really want to show them off. So your spacing gets crazy and stuff like that. 
And I just remember him being like, yeah, you don't get to do any of that stuff here. <laughs> you know, he's like, it's still there. And I think that was the biggest thing that I learned in, in VFX versus like a feature animation is the principles are still there. It's not like, oh, I don't get to do spacing and timing. It's like, no, 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 it's there. It's just, you kind of have to pull it back a little bit. You don't get to apply exaggeration to your spacing like you do in cartoonier stuff. Gotcha. There's still fast ins, there's still fast outs, there's still explosives, um, but it's it's tempered a little bit. And and especially with Hulk, I mean, everything I wanted to do, I had to add like twice as many frames to it in order to make it feel the right size and stuff like that. Which interesting. All of those all of those lessons, as well as on on Alice in Wonderland, really paid off. You know, later with with Big Hero Six, and then just recently with Sea Beast. Obviously, it's the biggest creatures I've I've had to work with. <laughs> um, and so you really, you know, I was really tapping into my Matt Logue, you know, and trying to to teach animators how much they're going to have to pull back and how much you're going to have to make it slow down, but still have the principles in there. You still squash and stretch. It's just more squashing and stretching a pose rather than like squashing and stretching the form and getting all goofy with it. Gotcha. Just how you apply the principles is a little bit different. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. So now what was it that got you in over at Disney uh, during the time of Tangled? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I got lucky. I got, again, I got lucky. I got the last seat um, on, on Tangled. And, and the one thing John, so John Cars and Clay Cadis were the, the heads of animation on that film or whatever the title was back in then, the titles changed at Disney over years. But uh, the thing that John always said was I did this one shot on uh, Clouds of Chance of Meatballs where it's Flint um, jumping off the stage and running toward the giant tornado. And he's like jumping off of cars and- That's yours, huh? Yeah, I did Very that. Very cool. So it was like 60 characters and it was like, I don't know, like a minute long or something <laughs> like that. Um, and they were like, well, he can probably handle complex shots. And so they figured, you know, might as well give him a chance as like a workhorse. Um, and I had a few other like acting shots and things like that, that I had done on the side. Cause I was still doing kind of personal animation. Even when I was at Sony, I was still trying to do personal animation, um, for stuff that I didn't feel like, again, I didn't feel quite well-rounded enough in gotcha. certain areas. So I would still try to like make sure I was trying to do something subtle and stuff like that. And so, um, so yeah, that real got me into Disney and, but it really was, that was the only thing John ever mentioned was like, <laughs> we handled something that complex, like we don't have anything that complex in the movie. So you'll probably be able to hang. This right? guy will figure it out, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. I forgot. I was thinking that you went from Rhythm Hughes to Disney, but you were had Sony before that. Yeah. About um, yep. Now you mentioned, like I said, that's what probably one of my all time favorite movies, Cloud of the Chance of Meatballs. Um, any Cool anecdotes, stories during that time, anything that you know, you kind of was a light bulb moment for you as you're still early in an animation? Well, there was there was so much on that show because, you know, one, it was the first time I'd really dipped my toe in stylization. Um, it was sort of like going back to school in a way. It's funny. I was actually I had breakfast with uh, Josh Beveridge, who uh, was the head of animation on Sea Beast. Uh, uh, so we were up at, at SIGGRAPH yesterday um, and we had breakfast and we were talking about Cloudy and we were both talking about how it felt like we were back in school. It was one of those moments okay. in our careers where it felt like everybody was was amped up and excited to explore what does it mean and how do we define the style and 
And what does it mean to do CG UPA style? Right, right. And how much can we pull back and how much can get limited? Um, and I think they took it and kind of ran with it on on Cloudy too, and they did some incredible stuff. But you know, it was it was very much everybody trying to figure out what it meant because it wasn't fully locked in when mm. we all started uh, on the film. So that was cool, and I learned a lot about leadership on that film, honestly, because Chris and Phil, it was their first movie. Um, and they were the best directors I think I've ever gotten to work for. That's awesome. Besides being brilliant, they were so much fun. Every dailies felt encouraging, but it, while your shot was getting completely destroyed, (laughs) you know, this is so cool. What if, and it was because it was always this, there was a lot of camaraderie. There was, there was an encouragement for everyone in the room to throw out ideas and the dumbest idea would win. <laughs> um, and, and so it was just this fun place you wanted to be. And so sitting in dailies and watching other people do their shots and get destroyed in the same fun, <laughs> you learned a lot and you applied your shot. And so it just, it had this real communal effect that, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard in the, the schedules that we have, you know, on feature films today, right. the work from home situation and stuff like that. It's really hard to find that. And so that was a bit of a lightning in a bottle, but still something to aspire towards. That's killer. Yeah. So very collaborative then. Big time. Yeah, Big time. that's that's great. I was um, I had just released a podcast with Michael McCarevich. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and just talking about his time on like things like Incredibles and talking, you know, working with Brad Bird. And kind of the same kind of thing where, you know, here's the director, but he encouraged input, you know, and he goes, at the end of the day, I can always just say no, you know, and it was like, yeah, okay, he can, you know, and that was, sure. that was it. So I know as artists, you don't want to feel like this is obviously someone else's movie and you're trying to reach that here, but you don't want to feel like just a cog in the, in the process either. So, no. yeah, absolutely not. You don't, you don't want to feel micromanaged and you want to, you want to have a discussion about what the point of the shot is, less the specifics on how to get there. Um, I mean, obviously you'll get to that place, but right. when you get to be a part of the conversation of what are we trying to accomplish with this shot or run of shots or where is the character emotionally and then talk about ideas around that, that's so much more productive and so much more fun than just, okay, so he needs to step with his left foot. And- yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what I love about that too, is when you got people like you who are put in other positions of leadership, you're taking that, which you've enjoyed and learned and pulling that into your position now. That's the things that you've been able to bring you over to. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that an area that you saw yourself in as far as leadership? Uh, Cause I know you've been a uh, supervising animator, head of animation, and then obviously here an animation director. Yeah. Um, is that your um, personality to a degree or is that something you kind of had to really uh, kind of grow in? I think, I think it was my personality. It wasn't necessarily something I knew that I would do or necessarily aspired towards. Cause I think I'm a, I'm a generally pessimistic person. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, Nathan Englehart, who is a Disney animator uh-huh. and supervisor. We went to, to SCAD together and we, I worked on his senior project and we had this conversation at SCAD uh, right before graduation where I was like, I say 15 years and we'll both have like jobs in the industry. And he was like, no, no way. I think it will be five. Three years from then, I was supervising on Wreck-It Ralph, and he was animating on Wreck-It Ralph. So like, <laughs> we were, we we got we got super lucky, or whatever the situation might be. Um, and so I never thought I would have an opportunity to be a supervisor or a director or anything like that. Um, I was just hoping to get a job. Period. <laughs> um, but I do think personality-wise, it was it was always there. I always kind of took jobs, even in college. Um, that we're trying to lead groups. I was an RA and stuff like that in college. And so 
I tended to, I liked being part of that kind of community building, leading, leading groups of people gotcha, gotcha. Um, and being able to communicate ideas. And so um, Renato came to me on the first record, Ralph and said, Hey, I, you know, saw you didn't apply. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not qualified for that. And he was like, I think you're qualified. And so I applied and went through the interview process and all that, and then ended up getting, ended up getting jobs. So that's crazy. Uh, yeah. And that's just been kind of, it's just been kind of crazy ever since. Now for the interview process, what was it that Disney was looking at? Cause obviously uh, that was pretty early on in your career um, from Tangled, I think, sorry, I had your IMDb up tangled and then what was out after that one that you worked oh, on oh that was uh prep and landing uh we did a prep and landing short the second prep and landing short um and then and then ralph was the second movie so, so what was it then that in the interview think, process that they went yep this is the guy i think it was a combination of i i was fortunate enough on tangled to do john and clay tried to break me <laughs> they, they gave me a lot of work and they gave me a, a wide breadth of work from cartoony to action to acting uh both both humor and emotion and so they tried to give me everything and and i i didn't die okay. um, I, I don't know <laughs> i don't know if i did a great job at any of it or all of it but i didn't i didn't die and so i think that I got to speak to that in my interview. Gotcha. Renato and, and the other supervisors is, you know, I, I very much enjoy that. And I very much have strong opinions on all of those things. Um, and, uh, and so I think he wanted to give me a chance. Renato is also a really great leader in that he likes to have a mix of new voices and seasoned voices um, because, because it brings a, a really good mix to the table. I think he's done that on pretty much every movie he's worked on. As gotcha. A at Disney um he brings in and fresh voices to kind of keep it to keep it mixed up nice. and and to keep pushing stuff not to say that people like me who've been in the industry for a long time aren't also pushing but it's just a new perspective yeah and yeah he's always been really good at recognizing that and so I I was fortunate enough to be that that young voice on on Ralph yeah it's killer um so on record Ralph new position there and that was a uh, supervising animator what were some of the things that maybe took you by surprise being in that role or was there anything everything uh okay. <laughs> because, you know, I, I feel like you know as an animator you often are like oh their job's easy you know they just yeah. you know tell me what's wrong with my shot um but it's it, it's just a lot more it, it's it's really amped up there was Cause you do a full, you do almost a full production nine months, a year of pre-production where it's trying to get the rigs built and everything doing, trying to do tests, trying to define style, going through all of the character design changes and everything else. And then when you're exhausted from that, the crew starts and then you make the movie. <laughs> and, and so it was, it was like going from being a sprinter to like running your first marathon. Okay. And you're like, Oh shit, this is a lot. Sorry. Uh, this is a lot harder. Um, than I expected. And also you now go from sitting at your desk, animating your shots and interacting with some people to sitting in lots of meetings, having to work across departments, trying to learn how to communicate properly. And I, you know, did probably a terrible job on that first film <laughs> um, because you don't, you don't know how everybody else works and what kind of information they need and how they need it and, and how to deliver it with tact and all of this stuff. So there's a lot of maturing that you have to do as soon as you, you hit a leadership position. And, uh, I was very new in my career and, and, uh, very ambitious. And so I'm sure I, you know, I went full force for a lot of stuff and <laughs> made a lot of people mad. Um, but, but that too was a really good, 
you know, learning curve there too. And I was, I was fortunate to have, again, Renato as my supervisor in that situation. Um, Cause he, he had been through it a few times and he was very mature and level-headed and gave me a lot of good talking to. Good feedback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very yeah. cool. Now, were you on, when did you jump in on Tangled? So on Tangled, they, they only had about one sequence fully animated. They had done the sequence okay. of Flynn tied to the chair um uh with Rapunzel like walking around and I just remember Tony Smead uh was showing in dailies on like my first day he was showing that shot of of uh Rapunzel walking around the chair and pointing the the frying pan at Flint mm-hmm. and I was just like I can't I can't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I will never be able to have the studio uh, but it was yeah it was really early on so the first thing they had me do was you know I did like a pose library from Mother Gothel um for the Pose library tool that they had at the time was very bad, but um, okay. yeah, I I had come from Sony, which had really really robust pose libraries, and so I did this big robust uh, Mother Gothel uh, pose library, and then I ended up getting a few of her shots early on in the film because of that. Gotcha. Uh, the only reason I ask is because I just go, what a neat opportunity as well to have gotten in at a time to work with Glenn Keane. Oh. Uh, because yeah. he wasn't there much longer after that, if I remember correctly. Uh, he stuck around for a little while, um, but no, not too. He helped uh, John on Paper Man. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think he left pretty soon after that. Yeah. Um, right after Paper Man, I think won the Oscar. I think was pretty soon after that 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 he left. Yeah. But it was that was again is animation boot camp in yeah. <laughs> so many ways because you just watch him draw and you'd be like well, i can't the first so the here's an anecdote first shot i got first like actual shot i got on tangled was half of a shot um it was a shot of uh flynn rider running away from the guards at the beginning of the movie um where he slides down a hill and he catches a tree and then he runs and he jumps through a tree um that was the first shot i got and uh, I only had to do Flynn. Alex Cooper Schmidt was doing the guards and the horses and everything else. Okay. Flynn. And they, I remember issuing for that. Glenn leaned over to me and I'd only talked to him like once and I was like starstruck, of course. But he leaned over to me and he had this like scrap of paper that was like half ripped and I don't know where it is and it kills me that I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but he was like, I was thinking about this shot and he hands me this piece of paper and it's these thumbnails that are literally like the size of a thumbnail. Like they were maybe an inch tall. And there was about 20 of them. And, and I looked at it and I was like, well, that looks pretty good. So I went back to my desk and I literally, I, I dropped them in on the timeline on threes. Uh-huh. And it was like, man, this is some of the best animations I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then I realized he had this, he had him catching the tree behind him as he was sliding down. And I remember I went, I went to his desk and I was like, hey, Glenn. I'm going to change this pose. Like, is it okay if I change? And he was like, what? Of course it's okay. <laughs> I literally just like, I did that in like five minutes. And I was like, it's the best animation I've ever done. Um, but it was just that, like that realization of like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to change Glenn Keane. <laughs> yeah. You know, like who do I think that I am? But he, he was super supportive and he was really cool. And he was, he was so kind to me and, and everyone else. But I just remember him pulling me aside and, he would give you really specific uh, feedback, not notes, but praise. 
he would go really gotcha. deep. And I, re- I love this one thing that you did here where those muscles were flexed. He's like, I couldn't do that. I tried to do that on Pocahontas, but it would be way too many lines and she'd look old. And so he's like, the stuff that you guys can do in CG, it's so cool. And so it was such like, you were always inspired. You just That's couldn't, awesome. couldn't wait to get back to your desk and, and try to do more work. So I think I did like five and a half minutes of animation on that movie because I was just like, <laughs> Now, um, one of the things I, it would seem from my vantage point is as how I like to learn and stuff is the uh, draw overs. Do you, did you enjoy that as well? Or is that something you incorporate as well? It was, it was a learning curve for all of us because that was the first show at Disney where that was a thing, you know, and they, um, you know, they kind of wrote specific tools so that Glenn had that ability. Uh. We all sat there and we all watched and it was a learning curve for all of us because Glenn, like myself, like I can't draw things perfectly on model when I do my drawers. It's more like a here's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. You and that was Glenn too. And Glenn's an amazing artist, obviously. He's Glenn Keen. Um, but he was very, very rarely saying this is exact it's not he's not Gendy. You know, he's not saying follow this line. Gotcha. Exactly. It was it was a feeling of the drawing and the note behind the note. Okay. And that took all of us for quite a while to to kind of wrap our brains around it. And then that education kind of had to be passed along as new animators would come on for subsequent films. And we were doing, you know, Renato was doing drawovers on Wreck It Ralph. We would kind of have to go back to their desk and be like, I know that's how he drew it. That's not exactly that's not exactly what you need to do. And they and then and then they're having that Glenn Keane moment of like yeah. So I'm going to change. I was going to change it. That's know? what I was wondering. And yeah. Everybody's scared. And you're like, no, trust me. Like, <laughs> what he's trying to say is this, and he's pushing you in this direction. But, and I think that's a, that's a big lesson for all new animators, whether there's drawovers or not drawovers is no supervisor or no director. I shouldn't say no, rarely. Okay. Director or a supervisor, like 100% sure of exactly what to do. It's usually like, this feels wrong to me. My gut says to do this. And I would probably do this and this and this. When you go back to your desk, often the solution is that plus a bunch of other things that kind of give you the feeling of that. Um, And so I think that's the fear that I have for a lot of new animators is they go back and try to do verbatim exactly. the thing that was said and they miss kind of the note behind the note and then they spin kind of on technicalities and they forget to keep animating it. Gotcha. Now, now they're just turning into kind of a muddy mess because they're not <laughs> sure what the other person is looking for. Um, and that's and that's a hard lesson. That's a that's a big thing for animators to learn early on in their careers. So what is it something that you try to do to communicate that? Or, or let me back it up to avoid that being the case. So is that something you do draw over? Do you, hey, this is the intent I'm trying to get, the emotion? What is it something that you? So I think it goes it goes two ways. So like as an animator, what was nice again about Glenn is you know, he encouraged you to talk back and to ask clarifying gotcha. questions, things like that. If he wasn't being super clear as to like what the note behind the note was, you know, are, so are you saying you want her to feel more, you know, impassioned or are you literally saying you want her to push her chest out? You know what I mean? It's like gotcha. those kinds of questions. Oh, no, no, no. I don't care about the chest. And they're like, oh, okay, now I have an idea of where to go. So the, the, the flip side of that is giving the notes the way I, I tend to give the notes because I'm not a very good drawer, you know, to, to Glenn's standards. <laughs> I'm usually talking while I'm drawing saying, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is this. And what we're trying to go for is this. And what the emotion is, is this. And so this is probably not the right idea, but this is, you know, I, I'm just communicating what I'm trying to with that, where it's just like, try this. If this doesn't work, 
feel free to play around with it or throw it away entirely if you have a better idea. But this is where I feel like there's a problem. And here's how I here's how I would first try to approach it. Because I know that in my own shots, I see problems in my shots. I try to fix those with my gut instinct. And that 50% of the time is not, and it's like, oh no, that's actually no better. And now I have to find another solution. So if uh, you could do exactly what I say to do 50% <laughs> of the time, yeah, yeah. it's going to make your shot worse. So it's animators kind of have to be willing to take the note and try to address the note behind the note. And that's just digging a little bit deeper and having a little more conversation. Gotcha. That's great. That's fantastic. Now I know the schedule on Tangled was pretty um, demanding. <laughs> yeah they all are (laughs) (laughs) so that one wasn't the exception that i know i know they all they all are but i know that one was like it was at the time we were like it's impossible Uh Um, that's why i I, I remember remember. i remember us feeling like no no one can make a movie at the caliber that glenn is is demanding and that nathan and byron are demanding and the schedule because i remember we had uh, 24 weeks left and 50% of the movie to do. And we were like, that's impossible. We can't do it on big hero six. We had eight weeks left and 50% of the movie to do. So it just shows you that like, it just, it just kept getting crazier. The, all the crews keep getting bigger. bigger. And, okay. Uh, okay. Cause we were only 45 or something like that. Animators on tangle. We were a, a very small crew by today's standards, kind of a normal DreamWorks crew, but yeah, yeah. By comparison, the Sea Beast, we had 176 animators. On. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, like, things have just kind of changed as far as like how fast movies have to get done, the level of complexity that that films are trying to accomplish. Because Tangled was also not terribly complex by by today's standards. There's a lot of like one character or two characters. There weren't a ton of like crowds and stuff like that right so you know then you big hero six you know it was like six characters on screen at all times kind of <laughs> kind of movie yeah know? yeah so you know it's so appetite you, you said 170 176 on, oh my gosh yeah i think i think at our peak it was like 160 or something like that like at a time right over the course i think it was 176 that, that is crazy that's yeah. crazy okay I think it's two less than than spider-verse and josh <laughs> josh was a little you know he was like well spider-verse because he did both he did spider-verse okay and, Beast. and uh he was like well we're too too short of spider <laughs> well, okay tell you what let's just segue to that because i'd love yeah. to talk with it now I do apologize up front. I have not got to see the full movie. I walked Get in. My, I know, I know. My, my parents, uh, my kids were watching it over my parents' house. So I got to see, uh-huh. the, I think, the tail end of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it remarkable. I just, the uh, quality and the fidelity, the animation, the the cloth, the hair, you name it. it amazing, amazing. Um, so, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. What's that? I said, working with Imageworks, they're, they're the best. They're the best. It was fantastic. And yeah. now I've got to ask up front though, because uh, you know, this was on Netflix here. I'm yeah. assuming the budget wasn't as big as something you would see at Disney or am I mistaken in that? You know, I, I don't know the specific numbers. Just okay. It's not something I'm privy to, but my, my impression is that it is, it is less, okay. um, uh, significantly less, but I don't know by what measure it, it is still a pretty big budget though. Okay. You know I mean? Like, it's not um I, again i don't know the specifics on really anything uh <laughs> but seeing uh budgets of things online and stuff like that it wasn't i'm sure it was over 60. okay you know, it wasn't like a super small, small gotcha budget, gotcha so. 
but yeah. So was Quota Disney. Quota pretty similar to uh, other studios. It was, uh, I think it was like, it was slower than what I remember being at Disney. I think it was like three and a half feet a week. Okay. uh, On Sea Beast, and a lot of that was to do with just the complexity, because um, the rigs at Sony. So Sony is a powerhouse. They are an absolute powerhouse. Um, <laughs> and they are, they're one of the more, most interesting studios in my mind because they will, we had animators rolling off of Hotel Transylvania and Spider-Man, like the live action Spider-Man uh-huh. on Sea Beast, which is like, I don't know, kind of halfway in between the two. Right, so like, right. I can do such a wide spectrum and I'm working with Josh Beveridge who did Spider-Verse, you know, and so he's doing literally the, the two ends of the spectrum <laughs> in, in that regard. Um, it's really impressive, but their, their rigs are the same, no matter what film, um, really in order, in order to efficiently build rigs, ah. throw away building them. And so you have similar rigs more or less from, from film to film, but that means you kind of have to have all of the controls in order to be able to do, you know, the stuff for realistic shows or the stuff for, okay. Film. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Does that so good or very, bad then? Yeah. Uh, they can do anything, but it means that they can be slower. Okay. And, and it's a lot more stuff to interact with, right? And so, um, so especially for for newer animators, it can be a lot to wrap your brain around and how to keep it on model and things like that. Gotcha. Um, and so then pose libraries become very important and and all of that. Okay. So, but they are, but they're incredible. So there's that. And then I think what was Sterling, the VFX suit just said a stat the other day. And I think it was of all the sequences in the movie, only four of them did not have water. Um, and so <laughs> if, the, if the characters are on the boat, even if they're underneath, like in the bottom of the boat in internal, they're still on a boat on the ocean. And so there's a whole system of constraints constraining the boat motion, the, water, the characters to the boat, the camera to the boat. And so there's just a lot of complexity to, just getting ready to animate a shot man uh, took a lot on that film and so uh praise the patience of the 176 <laughs> animators on that film because it was not no shot was easy even if you were doing a hand shot it wasn't easy because you had to go through all the rigmarole of getting the characters on the ocean set up and, and ready to go huh wow wow um what was the catalyst for you because it was from disney to here right Yep. Okay. So what was the catalyst of, for that move? You know, it was, it was a combination of things. You know, I, I loved my time at Disney. Um, it was comfortable, almost too comfortable. You know, I think that was maybe one of the things where I was starting to itch to see what was going on. And, and I hadn't thought too much about it, to be honest. It, you know, I think it had kind of been percolating in the back of my mind, but then, and I had actually applied for a leadership position at Disney. Mm. And on the same day that I had my interview for a head of animation position at Disney, I got a call from an executive at Netflix saying, Hey, Chris Williams has this movie over here. And he's saying, you know, that you're the, the only person um, that, that can do it. And, uh, and that was very nice to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, and I love Chris. Chris is amazing. And I, you know, obviously I was, I was his head of animation on, on big hero six and I animated on Moana and, uh, and we had formed a relationship through those films. And so I met with Chris and he pitched me what he wanted to do with the movie and he held up 
these giant like sculptures of of red and of of a you know the long ship and stuff like that uh it's kind of saying like this is what you're in for and <laughs> i was and i was i was super excited i was also deliriously tired uh my daughter was two months old so oh I was, my goodness i was in that phase where i had zero sleep yeah um, but it sounded really cool um, I said, I said I was interested. They sent me the movie. It was massive and the tone was something interesting and different. You know, it was still, it was still Chris. And so it still had a bit of that Disney flavor to it, but it was, it was a movie that we wouldn't necessarily probably be able to do at Disney and in, in some way, especially with the drinking and, and some of the cursing <laughs> and, and real weapons and blood and stuff like that. Um, and so it was, and it was fun to, to talk to him and he really wanted to, to age it up a little bit and not, he's like, I'm not making a cartoon. I want to make, you know, I'm not following the structure, you know, formula. He's like, I just, he's like, I'm writing it just the way I want it to be written. Cause I was like, I don't really understand half the stuff these characters are saying. He was like, great. I, thought, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to because he's like, that's authentic, like actual, like seafaring, you know, words. And I was like, all right. Um, but he wanted this kind of mature naturalism to the acting, which sounded really, really exciting to me, you know, saying less with the characters, doing less with the characters and letting them say more with their silence or say more with the little tiny movements that they do. That that was really exciting to me. In, yeah. In addition to playing with action figures running around and giant monsters and stuff like that. Like it yeah, had yeah. everything. So, um, and I was buddies with Josh from, from back in, in the, the Sony days. And so the idea of getting to work with him again, you know, going back to Sony was, was exciting. Chris, all of it, it just kind of, it just felt like the right move for me. Awesome. Awesome. Um, now is it something, cause that was up in Vancouver, right? Uh, it was mostly done in Vancouver. There are a few animators spread out elsewhere, but yeah, the majority, vast majority was in Vancouver. Did you, were you there as well? No, it was so pandemic you got to, times. Oh, okay. Okay. So you, yeah, everything we, was remote. Yeah. Everything was here in my garage. Um, so they, they sent me a, Sony sent me a computer. Um, they were really well equipped for the, for the pandemic. Not that they knew it was coming, but they had been <laughs> doing that kind of remote workstation for uh -huh. a long time. Um, they had their tools set up because they had um, the Albuquerque office at one point and stuff like that. So they had a lot of tools um, so that they could do reviews in sync um, with sound and drawers and all of that uh, from, from remote desktops. So they, they kind of hit the ground running as soon as the pandemic hit. And uh, so they, they shipped me a, a computer and I was basically up and running in a couple of days. Yeah, that's awesome. I was supposed to have like a month, I think. Uh, when, when Chris brought me on, he was like, Oh, you know, just kind of hang out and kind of see how things are doing. And then I think on my second day, he was like, Zach. And I was like, Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, still deliriously tired, but it, it ended up working out. It was, it, it was great. It was awesome. Nice. Now, was that a, a motivating factor too, that you weren't, that you could, didn't have to move up your home and yeah, or oh, be away? No, yeah, no yeah. absolutely. Yeah, no, that was, it was all going to be from home, you know, uh, my daughter was new, you know, she was two months old. And so I wanted, I wanted to be nearby. And That's so wonderful. It, it, it's been great, you know, honestly, working from home, you know, not that the pand I want the pandemic to happen. Um, but it, it has definitely had a silver lining. Gotcha. Now, uh, I think I even asked Michael this too. Is that something you see? Um, I think there's kind of going back to what you mentioned in regards to clouds, the chance of meatballs, the camaraderie, the, uh, collaboration process. Obviously, I think it's a little bit harder to do when everybody's remote, but yeah. to your point here, you know, the 
family, the, you know, two month old daughter, things like that. Do you see that being more the model which you would envision maybe kind of that hybrid or? It's hard to say. I think for me personally, I think the pros of work from home outweigh the cons. Gotcha. Um, you know, the obvious con being the the team building, mm-hmm. you know, Josh, and I, we went into the office once in Culver city. Um, and so it was Josh and Chris and I in a, in a room together um, with masks on, I think. Um, but it was still, we were like, Oh, it's so much better. You know, the conversation was flowing. We could talk over each other in a way that you can't really talk over each other in a zoom call. Um, But it was, it was so much easier. Um, But with, with the way the industry is changing, how much content is being made, the number of studios that are in the game now, how worldwide animation is because it you know back in the day it was a handful of studios that were all basically in southern california right <laughs> and, and now it's it really is global which is awesome and we're getting lots of different perspectives and lots of different voices and lots of different talent um i think it's going to be a logistical nightmare to make that in in person gotcha um and so and i i personally i'm an introvert you probably can't tell, but I'm an introvert. And so <laughs> I, I very much love the work from home situation. And uh-huh. so I hope that, you know, people who want to go in, have a place to go in and people to connect with. And, and I would definitely like to go in and have those moments of team building and camaraderie and, and remembering that everybody's human. Right. Right. The real, the real fear of the work the entire work from home situation is you start to treat everybody like they're just a, a face on a computer. Yeah. Yeah everyone becomes just a computer and now it's, you know, it's inhumane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, So I think the more, the more we get together and to remind people of the fact that we have kids and we have lives right, and right. like that, because, you know, the schedules can get grueling. And until you remember that everybody has a million other things outside of this, yeah, yeah. this is not their life. This is just movies. This is just work. Um, and it's fun and I love what we do, but, um, it's but you got to disconnect and you yeah. got to, you know, kiss your babies. Yeah. <laughs> you can be able to kiss them. Good night. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, um, exactly. yeah. That's why I, I, I kind of seem that that bit of a hybrid where, you know, maybe a couple days a week or something like that in the office or, you know, for particularly for bigger studios where you, you've got a lot of people and that would kind of meet that balance there, so to speak. Yeah. And some people, and I, and I think having a hybrid is, is great as well for people who don't have the ability to work in their homes you know what i mean if they if they have kids running around climbing on them or they have a very small place because they're they're new in the industry right or, or whatever background they might come from um the expectation that everybody has a garage like i'm fortunate enough to have as a as an office um is is short-sighted as well and so i think being able to give accommodate people, yeah exactly Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So now Sea Beast looked like it did very, very well. I forget who I'm following on uh, some of the social media and it was just number one on Netflix for multiple weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was number one movie in the world. That is amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Obviously that's got to encourage them to continue to do stuff like that. So now you're still contracted through Netflix. Is that who was or through Sony? Uh, through Netflix. Yeah. So I'm still at Netflix. I'm okay. on, uh, so James Baxter, uh, another Disney legend. 
Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to call him that. Uh, is that derogatory? Uh, but <laughs> he's incredible. And he's like the nicest man in the world. He uh, he offered to let me join his team. So he has a small team at Netflix uh, called the cast team. And so what we do is uh, we help films that are in development who are looking to try to define the style of their film, uh, either look of picture, animation style, character design, things of that sort, um, as well as helping out films that are that are in production who might need who might not have a head of animation on the Netflix side, um, give notes or do drawovers or I'm actually going to jump on. I think next week I'm jumping on a movie uh, to just animate some shots. That's um, wonderful, man. Which will be awesome. I, yeah. I really look forward to that. So, <laughs> so it's a bit of a Swiss Army knife kind of team. Um, Tony Ficilli is on the team. And so it's, I've heard it's, the name. Yeah, he's a Pixar, Pixar legend as well as, you know, a character designer extraordinaire. Uh-huh. Find the, the the humans in the CP stack. Oh, very cool. Um, and so it's it's a it's an eclectic group, but um, it's a fun it's a fun assignment. Now, that seems like that would be um, very enjoyable because the versatility of what you'll be doing. Exactly. Yeah, that's that was the thing that really drew me to it was. Oh, okay. So we're going to do, we're going to do a lot of things. We're going to try to build, build a lot of things. And it was, it was kind of guerrilla style, mm-hmm. you know, try to figure out how to do it, which was is it exciting because Netflix is interesting because, um, you know, it's only four or five years old. Like you think about Netflix, Netflix has been around for a really long time and yeah, yeah. is relatively new. And right. so, you know, they've had some ups and downs over the last, you know, six months, but that too kind of feels like normal growing pains for a, for a young studio. And so, that was also part of the appeal of joining Sea Beast and joining Netflix was it is a little bit Wild West, where okay. it's a bit of a mess, <laughs> um, but it's but it's an exciting place to be because there's a lot happening. There's yeah. a lot of fiction and stuff, and so um, and I'm getting to jump on. I mean, I've probably helped out on five or six projects in the last like seven months just because That's awesome. like, jump into this meeting, give some advice, you know, jump out. But I'm still looking for kind of the next next big movie to to attach myself to in a animation director role. Gotcha. Whether it be at or Netflix or, some... or director, if there's anyone out there. There you go. There yeah. you go. I just, uh, <laughs> I think one before Michael McCarvich did a interview with uh, Pierre Perfell. Oh, on, so that nice, was really nicest, cool. Nicest man in the world. Yeah. Super, super yeah. nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> but just again, it was pretty cool to be able to talk with him as he's been, you know, a director on uh, the bad guys. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah very cool. Great. Yeah. Great guy. So yeah, that's, he's... that's your aspirations then to be able to do uh, direct a movie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, my my big thing is I want to impact films in the biggest way that I can. Um, you know, Chris Chris gave me a lot of rope, you know, on on Sea Beast and gave me a lot of power. Um, it, that's probably the wrong word to use, but but he respected me a lot and he respected my opinion a lot and he listened to me and and I felt like I really got to impact that film and the the acting choices and 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 the animation, everything and cameras even they would listen to my opinion on stuff like that and so the edit everything so i felt like i was impacting the film in a big way nice and and that's where i want to be and uh i would love i would love to direct but i think i'm also very happy to work on a film that i care about that's doing something that i care about with people that i enjoy working with Mm. Um, i'm at that point in my career where it's more about making sure that and again having kid change your perspective about making sure that that experience is right um, less so than the the accolades or the titles or, or any of that. Thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, it looks like uh, Netflix is all in on the uh, animation stuff. Um, they're uh, 
purchase or acquiring or whatever you want to call it with Animal Logic. How does that work with what you're doing there? Is that we don't know yet? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's everything still kind of getting worked out. I don't think, from my understanding, it it and I and I know as much information as anybody else out there okay. really <laughs> uh, is that uh, the acquisition won't go through until like October or something like that. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So it's it's kind of like we're in escrow <laughs> kind of house. Uh, um, and so I don't know what all of that means, but it sounds like it's going to take some time to figure out, and then it's going to take some time to figure out how how the two work together because Animal Logic will continue to function um, as as a studio. They're 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 done with VFX. They're they're focused primarily on feature animation. Okay. As a studio, um, and I think they have been for a little while now. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see because I think you know we'll there will be a lot of conversations about where the pipelines intersect because Netflix was starting to build their own. Um, obviously, Animal Logic has has one that they've had for quite some time. Right, right. Where did Netflix want it to be? Where's Animal Logic want it to be? Um, I don't know how all of that works. So it'll take it'll take a lot of time to to sort it out. And uh, but I look forward to being a part of that conversation. Hopefully, um, nice. You know, as as far as where we want to take it, what's the ideal place to take it. Nice. Because um, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Sony, that's not, this isn't Sony's first venture with Netflix, right? Um, I think they have multiple film deal, like a multiple picture deal. Uh, they partnered on Over the Moon. Okay, uh, yes, yes, was, yes. Was the first one they did together. Yeah. Um, that started somewhere else. It, it's very different than like, a I you know, um, working at Disney, it was, you know, vertically integrated studio. And so it's, everything's contained within the Disney box. Uh, Netflix, it can be a, a combination of, of different things. Some are, are completely led by the partner studio. Um, some are homegrown within within Netflix. Um, Netflix sets up partnerships in lots of different ways. And so Over the Moon was not, I don't think, started at Netflix Animation, but it yeah. very quickly moved into Netflix Animation and became their own their own movie so they all have a little bit of a different story gotcha gotcha sea beast was all homegrown netflix animation. netflix that's awesome that's yeah. amazing and it's nice to see that it's done so well too yeah yeah it was result. it's i was blown away honestly <laughs> I, I to be frank i never saw the movie cut together uh okay once before i started on the film um and then i obviously saw every shot and we'd watch in continuity and things like that and i would try to watch sequences when i had time um but i never got to watch the movie end to end and i certainly never got to watch it with lighting uh until the premiere and wow so i was sitting there premiere going holy crap this is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the, the music and the sound and, and the lighting and the effects and everything it really i i was really blown away by by just how big and how uh the production value on that film is really high. Yeah, yeah. Um, how much did that movie change throughout the process? Because I know that's kind of a big one. Um, Disney's kind of, yeah, you know, pivot pretty easily. They got tons <laughs> of money; they can easily kind of do that. I don't, but yeah, I think I mean, people will also become uh, efficient at other studios. So, is that something that you kind of noticed there? Um, well, I th- I'm going back to the Disney thing. I think it's less about money and more about the process. That is literally just their process and, and the way, the way that they approach it. Um, I mean, changing things at the very, very end is always expensive. Um, but they plan for it to change multiple times. Okay. And, and so that, that doesn't necessarily, I don't think equate to a lot of money. It's really just about finding the film. And okay. I think Chris took that part of it with him. 
uh, on Seabeast because the film that he sold effectively to Netflix, the script that he wrote that got that got him the job and got him purchased um, was a very different movie than the one that was made. Okay, interesting. Um, it's uh, Maisie, the other main character in the film, uh-huh. was not in the movie at all. Uh, it was originally called Jacob and the Sea Beast, and it was about Jacob, and he was kind of this self-destructive um, sailor who wasn't quite sure what the point of life was anymore. Um, and then he had to basically rescue this baby and return her to her mother, um, and in that process kind of found himself, which has elements of what is in the the eventual movie but they did their first screening and in general everybody liked it um but chris was actually the one who was like no we can't we can't make this movie i'm blowing it up and i'm going back page one rewrite and and i think it made the executives really really nervous but the cool thing about netflix is they do give the directors the producers the, the filmmakers a lot of rope um if that's if that's where you if that's where your vision wants to take you, okay, you know, <laughs> go do it. We don't think you should. We think what you've made so far is really good. But Chris really he firmly believed that mostly because the film centered on Captain Crow stealing that baby from the mother. Mm. And Chris felt strongly that if that happens, A, you're never gonna like anybody in this movie. And B, you're gonna probably wanna follow the, the mom who lost her kid the mm. entire movie. And if you're not, and that's not the movie that he was telling. Gotcha. But with all of those things combined. And then it was also a guy with a baby who couldn't talk and a monster who couldn't talk. And so it was just one day he was talking to himself the entire movie. <laughs> a combination of all of those things, Chris basically said, that's not, that's not what we're doing. He redid the whole film, um, him and, and Owen, the head of story. Um, and they're very small. I think they only had like five or six story artists. They re- reboarded the entire film. He rewrote it. They reboarded it. Uh, and I think they did two or three screenings after that. And uh, But as far as delivery to, to Sony, um, the previous team at Netflix did an incredible job of keeping up and keeping pace. Wow. Uh, and they previs the entire film. Uh, in a rough state, but but really really good. Damon O'Baron was the head of previs, and it was it was some of the best previs I've ever seen. That's awesome. Uh, and we changed very few cameras on the on the image work side because everything was so well worked out. And I think they delivered like seventy five percent of the movie um, at once, um, which gave ImageWorks a lot to kind of chew into, which gotcha. helped on the efficiency side of things. Nice, nice. So yeah, my I guess my comment on. Um on Disney's because I remember I think it was probably Zootopia particularly where they had full shots that were lit rendered oh yeah everything oh, yeah. and they're like they weren't even in there so that was kind of some of the process where I'm going no yeah and every and every film went through that I mean I think I think Big Hero we 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 did a lot okay. <laughs> we threw away a lot uh, I don't remember the exact number but it was it was it was a fair portion you know but but I kind of respect that as much as it's like grueling and kind of depressing to see some of your stuff get cut. I respect that it's for a purpose. Right, it's right. Best movie possible. And at the end of the day, you could sit back and be like, oh, I'm proud of the the entirety of that picture. Right. And while that that paper cut hurts still, I'm still proud that I'm I'm a piece of this. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's nice to know, too, that Netflix is willing to or at least with this project particularly. Yeah. And it might maybe had to do something too with uh, Chris's, you know, he's, being in the industry for quite some time. It was like, hey, we Chris trust Lowe. this guy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He is Chris <laughs> they, they do. They really do trust their filmmakers, which I think is, you know, is, is dangerous. There's high risk in that. 
Um, but there's also high reward in that. I think, I think Chris proved the, definitely the reward side of that gotcha. reward situation. <laughs> um, okay. Just some uh, off the cuff questions here. Hey, um, what's been one of your favorite shows that you've worked on? Ooh. Um, well, we've talked about cloudy and we've talked about tangled. Um, those they're early on in my career. I was learning so much, the Glenn Keen of it all, Chris and Phil of it all. Um, it's really hard. It's going to be really hard in my entire career to compete with those. Big gotcha. Hero was awesome because it was my first head of animation uh, experience. Um, Us Again was really special. It was my first like uh, bowl short. I did a, a short circuit short uh, called Puddles, um, which was very cool. Um, but Us Again, you know, I got to work with choreographers that I fell in love with and, you know, got to, you know, work with Pinar and write music. And uh, it was, it was such a unique film uh, and we were kind of making it up as we were going and, and it was, it was wild and weird. And then the pandemic hit and we worked on it from home. It was such a unique situation um, that I think that will, that one will always stick with me in a lot of ways. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, any favorite characters you've worked on? Like if I always kind of think sometimes it's like, oh man, if I could just animate that character again, it'd be so much fun. Is there any favorite ones that you've looked back and go, that's, I love to animate on that character. Um, <laughs> you know, it's weird. Uh, well, I was going to say, I was going to say Flynn because he was, he was the one that was just so easy for me on Tangled. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, maybe I'm an arrogant <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was, when I would get a Flynn shot, I was like, oh, okay, I know. I know exactly what to do. You got him. Okay. Um, I, I got very few notes and it was, it was just fun. Um, I knew the level of caricature. I knew the level of, I knew the personality. It just, it just kind of clicked. And so Interesting. I, I always wanted more of him. Um, but then I got on Wreck-It Ralph 2, um, I got to animate a, a little shot where it was Baymax and uh, Buzz Lightyear because it was in the Oh My Disney. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Ralph 2. And so it got to, it It wasn't a character that I'd animated before, but it was a character that I always wished I could animate. Okay, but I, cool. But I never worked at Pixar, um, but I got to animate Buzz Lightyear so <laughs> to infinity and beyond. And that was like, ah. I just feel like it scratched that itch for me. Uh, and then I got, I got a little bit of a tease. I was a workflow supervisor at Disney for two years, which was like a, a group of artists whose goal was to kind of define the tool set and the process by which Disney was going to make movies in the future. Um, and it's kind of past hands and it was in conjunction with the technology team. But in doing that, I went up to Pixar for a month and I learned Presto, their animation software. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to evaluate to evaluate it and just kind of get get into it um and it was during incredibles 2 that i went up there and so i got to sit in on dailies with uh oh, that's awesome uh, Brad Bird thing which was incredible but i also got to animate mr incredible and frozone and i i think i touched all of the characters because i was like i have to uh, <laughs> but that was but that was a massive tease because it was like i got to do like one little shot with each character not even in the movie just like uh -huh. for myself and so those are definitely characters because Incredibles came out when I was in at SCAD. Yes. I burn up, literally burn a hole in the DVD. I, cause I left it on loop. It, oh. That particular movie would play on loop. And so I would leave it in my DVD player, I think for like a month and eventually it caught fire <laughs> and I did not burn down my apartment, but I literally burn a hole in that disc. And so that was very much like my college child 
wish fulfillment. Gotcha. It was such a tease. So I would love to animate those characters. Okay. So. Very cool. How quickly did you pick up on their, their software presto? You know, it wasn't too bad. It, it really wasn't. I think it, it takes some time to get used to because some things are, are not like they, they come. It's like Maya and presto are coming to a, a general answer, but from completely different angles. And Interesting. So the, the principles are the same. It's still animation. You yeah. know, we used voodoo at, at rhythm and hues um and then disney has a lot of proprietary tools and so at the end of the day it's just animation if you're, you're doing poses you know there's a graph editor stuff like that um finding what you're looking for and learning the different names of how things work and understanding you know they have a lot of really cool functions in presto that make certain things easier but they're not things you're used to thinking about when you come from maya and so you have to learn how to implement the things that make presto better in some gotcha way. gotcha okay um, and they have a lot of things that are amazing as far as, you know, multi multi shot workflows and things like that. The, you know, the fact that it's built on top of uh, Menva, which is a super uh, sect of, of USD, mm. the way that you publish your shots and, and get your shots is really, really clever. Um, but it's so foreign. Okay. You know? And so it was it was like, so wait, what what is what is munging? You're saying munging. I don't know what munging. Uh, I, uh, I did it. Podcast with uh, Tal Schwartzman. I think he mentioned that. Oh. What was that again? Though I forgot. Bunging is uh, it's basically like scrubbing an attribute in Maya. So in the uh -huh. channel box, you select uh -huh. an attribute and then you like middle mouse scrub. They call that munging. Okay. You do it directly on the the value itself, and it's just a, a legacy thing that everybody just has as part of the vernacular there. Um, <laughs> but, but really, it's just that it's just like getting over the vernacular, getting over kind of like where things are at, finding your bearings, and then. You know, within a couple of weeks, I was about as efficient as I am in Maya, which is pretty good considering it's a completely foreign software. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Any extra activities that you do outside of animation? Oh, man. I used to play a lot of basketball. Okay. Um, you, are you a tall guy? No, I'm six foot. Okay. Uh, but I just, just I love enjoy it. I love basketball and I need uh, I need a sport to get me to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm like, eh. Um, but I used to play a lot of basketball. My wife is, uh, she was a college basketball player. And so we used to play on a few teams together. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, but then the pandemic happened and now I'm like, not so sure about like rubbing up against people and sharing air. Um, so I haven't played a lot of that. Um, but I play a lot of NBA 2k now. Uh, <laughs> thumb, yeah, thumb workout. Yeah. Some thumb workout. Um, and then anymore, honestly, all, all of my time goes to my daughter, Ziggy. Um, and, uh, and I'm doing some stuff on the side, building some characters and doing some animation stuff, just personal fun stuff. Gotcha. For me. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and working on some pitches on the side and stuff like that to, you know, pitch at some point when I actually get around to finishing them. All but, right. Yeah, man. Watch a lot of movies. TV. Do you? Oh my God. I, Any, watch I try, I try to watch everything. Any favorites right now or recent? Um, you know, I rewatched everything everywhere on the plane. Uh, on the way home from SIGGRAPH, okay. everything everywhere all at once. And I just, I was just as blown away. It was my third time seeing it. I'm still, I just, there's some movies that make me question why I'm even trying to make movies because they're <laughs> so good. Um, and that, that is one of them. I also really enjoyed Nope uh, last weekend. I just um, heard of that one. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's a new Jordan Peele movie. It's great. I mean, I think he's, He's brilliant. You know, he's doing stuff at a, at a higher level. You know, it's not for everybody, I would say. Okay. You know, I feel like my parents would not necessarily like it, um, but I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, 
And then, uh, I don't know, God, we're always watching stuff. Uh, but I can't remember anything. I just put in, uh, I did some work and I just put on uh, Gladiator on the other day. Oh. I, I haven't seen it in so I long. Actually, I actually just watched that like a month ago. Okay, did you? We got, we got back from Italy and I was like, now I have to watch Gladiator. <laughs> it's so nice. good. It's such a good movie. Oh, I just, I love uh, Joaquin Phoenix's acting in there as well as, uh, what's it, Russell? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just just some great, great acting. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it in so long. I, I don't watch as many movies that like, uh, but popped that one in it was a good one so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard to find all the time and there's so much stuff out there now yeah, well. yeah 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 well zach i really really appreciate your talk and conversation um as i mentioned i try to keep this very conversational it's just it, it felt like that way here so i really appreciate your time um good luck in your futures i know hopefully i can get you in on another podcast and i'll be maybe yeah. directing a movie um yeah i so hope so we'll yeah. see here on, so on yeah. both fronts there i'd be happy to come back very good awesome awesome well thanks again for your time and with that we're out